The inner dance is a learning process. Initially ruptured during my time at the beach at the tail end of my long hermitage from the point of view of its opposite. As someone who had lived in such long predation, learning comes in specific stages, more naturally through waves of unlearning. My hermitage in Kelipai Beach was starting to come to a close once my mom found me by strange chance on the island. I knew she would come. Dreams precognized the fact. My mom had heard of a solitary man living in this island, and she intuitively knew that it was her son. After our first dream, and it was only natural that I introduced the energy to her in its raw version. She was one of the first people to experience the process in its indigenous form. By this time, my mind and body were saturated by profound, flowing energies, flushed with spontaneous waves of power, illumination, and rapture. My sister hadn't seen me in years. As a gift, she had sent to my mom a book I'd previously seen in her personal library in Manila, right before I left society to walk as a sannyasin and. Then to spend my days in quiet contemplation. Now the book my sister sent, entitled "The Magical Passes" by Carlos Castaneda, in 2003 only felt slightly interesting. I'm culturally unfamiliar with many South American energy practices that were being outlined carefully in this book, but by the time I reread the book in 2008. I was incessantly hooked by a few passages in the first chapters that spoke of how the ancient Mexicans uncovered a mysterious set of physical movements that occurs whenever the indigenous shamans would reach a heightened state of awareness. It was the first body of work that seemed to validate my own solitary experiences that personifies this mysterious flowing energy that it. Taken over my own body's former conditioned systems, I knew nothing of Kundalini risings, of chakra systems, of kriyas, of energy language as a taught system. I never attended workshops, yoga courses, or meditation sessions. I never had gurus. After my spiritual awakening, I knew only of a larger system that knew not parts nor steps. But more of an overwhelming wholeness that made more sense in the way my intuitive body brought forth guidance over and above what might be conjured by my logical mind. According to the magical passes, a spontaneous awakening for the Mexican shamans transpires when these ancient nagwals drop their systems of interpretations. What some May call the matrix, mind, or Maya, the Buddhist term for the world of illusion. According to the book Sage, like Don Juan de Matos, the bygone Mexican shamans track this arising of spontaneity as an energy awakening that would later once again be lost to the world. The shamans eventually had to lose access to these heightened states, thus bringing about this strict. Series of described movements they now 
practice called Tensegrity. The person who at first genuinely took me over onto full-blown spiritual pilgrimage was a Mexican stranger whom I met in 2002 in Southern California, who took me on a long walk where I was foretold of the emergence of a powerful transformation that was going to take place around the earth, a profound movement in which I would help to initiate. Therefore, the magical passes um, kind of signified several full circles. The book was strongly affirming how accompanying the spontaneous movements were these electric crackling noises found in different regions of the bodies of these Mexican shamans. These very same loud sounds have been increasingly occurring in many areas of my legs, shoulders, elbows, wrists, neck, and regions across my spinal cord. The insights from the magical passes were relevant for about a year or two. It seemed convenient to generalize at that time that we as humans are simply stuck in our heads and a spontaneous energy flow that sweeps us out of our normative awareness is the literalized answer to our problems. Generalizing the notion that simply dropping our systems of interpretation leads to spontaneous awakenings into the unit of state, but is also merely the embryonic beginnings of understanding the electric messages that do begin to stream through the heart-mind connection. When the intuitive body starts to speak its stored, available wisdom, I've witnessed scores of people who succumb to blissful forgetting, condescendingly harping on the short and long-range dangers of the thinking process, effectively separating themselves from essential self-reflection. We read so many spiritual concepts on the inefficacies of the human mind, celebrating heart and spirit, disjointing us from the place of spare cognition experience and surrender instruct each other in cohesive teamwork. Now romanticizing a newfound capacity to rediscover bliss seems to play some kind of key role in the stages of illumination, but in honest reflection, this alone doesn't lead to a real and sustainable transformation. The inner dance process in its progressive stages first drops current systems and then it succeeds to expand upon them. It's like a homecoming back to old systems but seen in new ways. The repetitive cycle of interpretation is mediated by non-interpretation, climaxing in reinterpretation before repeating a succession that prevents us from holding too tightly to any particular system. The inner dance spin in Gene Gebser's spiral dynamics is that rational mankind seems to naturally circuit back to archaic and mythical consciousness. Before we ground ahead somewhere pluralistically holistic, on that note, the many global crusades towards ecstatic dance psychotropic plant medicine, drum circles, new age and esoteric studies, energy healing, lend abundantly integrated views that 
will help to restructure the quantum versions of our present neurologies, psychologies, linguistics, medicines, education systems, and other structuralist sciences to give new form to the new flow. In our greater capacity to bring older systems into observation, there is a dissection and careful reflection of who were we from an awareness that is able to do so both in subjective creativity and yet objective a priori states. Who are we becoming? This is answerable by who are we choosing now, which is sensible from where have we been? Since 2008, I've facilitated trainings and gatherings in all sorts of ways with people of all ages, colors, and genres. With one to three notebooks normally in tow, I've carefully documented the breaking and restructuring of systems as they normally converge in the circle dialogues that do take place after every inner dance. What incessantly emerges from this convergence to my own eyes is a story about the stories. A meta-narrative from cross-cultural meetings of minds that have just sojourned into hard spaces and are now able to harvest in verbal thought what was explored in transcendence of thought streams. From such a place, patterns gesture non-linear mind frames like synchronic narration over who are we, what are we doing here and where are we headed. I'm able to socially hold this place of witnessing, listening attentively to people's stories, sometimes in days that have no endings. And sitting with all these narratives of soul, countless versions speak of the same things. Common patterns begin to topple over the tyrannical hegemony held by proper nouns. So despite to the speaker, the stories feel deeply personal. From my listening corner, the personal and universal are indistinguishable. Every conversation builds from all the past words that have ever represented a continuous evolutionary track that respects the most non-linear ancestry. No one person is ever saying anything new. People are merely reintegrating what any past creativity has anticipated in us. Just as we are forestalling our future children's infinite pool of versions that stream from our own experimentations. We're all journeyers that circle around circles, with all roundabout participants holding their own version of middles. Our destination now, as stewards of the one story from which all retelling of the stories are told from, is that one place where our most deeply personal narratives and the most socially shared tales find in each other an inseparable sameness. That place has many names. Paradise isn't geocentrically placed. Eden, Shambhala, and the Promised Land are states of knowing and being found only by the guidance of very fluid internal mapping. Might inner dance serve as such an atlas? You will see in how the sonic alchemy proceeds organically and how you yourself were able to receive what you channel through the ways our voices come together. 
On the notion that anything might be spoken about, might be said, everything is talked about through representation of what semantics merely encodes. In a dialogue circle, people speak of dragons, of mothers and fathers, of bitterness and guilt, of dreams and finding one's power. They speak of leaves, beings of iridescent light, childhood experience, interplanetary cosmicalities or a unicorn's favorite color. Participants speak of future children, inner teachers of molecular redesign of connections between bits of light, movement, and speech. Especially that there are countless metaphors that conjure consistency of the voluminous set of symbols hail from a similar source. To the mind of one who sojourns to such places, what system of interpretation is applicable? My system? Is it going to be God's system? The systems from antiquity? The new age star systems? Body codes? Scientific law? Amid such a flurry of meaning-making, how might one begin to sense structure within the deconstructive flow that returns the rational mind back to the domains of symbol, myths, and the most endogenous oceanic cognitives. It's tempting for many to rely on hundreds to thousand-year-old frames of interpreting life. Travelers of mind and geography similarly map out the possibilities no generalist might ever specialize in. The systems of the Talmudic, Vedic, Taoist, Mayan, Assyrian, Raman, Minoan, Mycenaean, Aroi, Aboriginal predate the modernist systems of interpreting who and what are we. It's no wonder then that the mind is tempted to make a clear position as to navigating one's way across our planet's evolving information system. A living library that stores its memories and minerals, the water cycle, and the air that breathes us. One might easily choose the all-pervasiveness of it all. Are all interpretations of life from one objective source code? And other might safely regress to the inapplicability of a system beyond the place and moment it arose from. It's an easy position to say, this moment is somehow disconnected to any other moments that are not right here and now. To go above all systems of interpretation, one must therefore look at how interpretation itself is self-interpreted. The science, art, and theory of interpretation is called hermeneutics, the etymology of which hails from Hermes, the messenger for the gods, he who passes forward in sacred scroll what we now receive in emails, texts, and social media news feeds. In effect, anyone who delves into the world of myth, symbol, magic, and meaning-making is, in their own right, a kind of hermeneuticist the moment they are looking at that which speaks through us. All pilgrimages by its default nature then asks the essential query, what does it all mean? In welcoming you to this work, the hermeneutic circle reflects on the process of understanding the relationship between the self and the other. The circle offers that it is impossible to come into any meaning without a part making reference to the whole. When you listen to my words, 
You feel the larger plot at work coming about as you perceive the smaller details unfolding over time. As you listen to each and every word that unfolds through time sequence, the larger context allows the small parts to mean something to the gift of relationship, that sharing of space that happens between any two to two quadrillion points. Whilst in a life world, the narrative that reflects in wholeness is thereby possible only through a narration into wholeness. It's through the subtle relationship shared by small details that eventually unravel totalities each part holds. Each of our stories are possible only by our capacities to be part of one all-encompassing story that we also make possible through an emerging togetherness our stories share together. To be together alone is to be all one. The inner dance is a discourse. The inner dance energy school summits onto a whole systems thinking process founded primarily on reflexive discursivity. In essence, the inner dance is a feedback system, a metalingual exploration of reality made present in observance of a continuous conversation each energy particle is part of. This happens at a time our deep-rooted understanding of God and universe shifts to middle place. Inner and outer space converge in consciousness, a unitive word that gently appropriates what we used to refer to as a God and a universe. We begin to see all forms of reality spark within all seeing intelligence for learning here and feel through vibratory states. What was once invisible is made viscerally real through our capacities to see what has always been there in simpler infantile frames which we now relate to in adult sophisticated multiplicities. The meta-conversation is circular in nature, a hermeneutic sphere that also has conical spiraling properties. If we aren't finding stability at the core, we're also moving upwards or downwards, outwards from the center. At other moments, we're moving inwards in multiple directions that are bound to meet inside conceptual zero, somehow. This multi-directionality defines our inescapable relationship between the self and the other, not as irreducible monadic selves, but as fluid responsiveness taking place between sender and receiver, receiver and the sender in the sense. God is not a static entity, nor is the universe an actual outer realm. God and the universe are more like processes. Some histories claim that the original translation of I am who I am in the book of Exodus in fact translates as I am who I am becoming. The burning tree is the growth rate. In parallel nowness, we're being channeled coexistent messages across pasts and futures, here's and there's constantly a sacred economic exchange, carrying in minuscule particles complete holons that human minds might only access as experiential miniature versions that can be streamed through timelines, sequentially the way words can only be spoken or written one at a time. In the inner dance, we're beginning to see this new life model from a larger view of the world as a language, a conversation, a story. Maybe 
our three-dimensional awareness posits were but readers witnessing an unfolding sequence within the story's blueprinted timeline. As ourselves merely fictional characters in the life book's fatally revelatory plot. Rather, the inner dance experience disrupts the sequence, revealing the overall situation as more of a seeming disarray, a tensely chaotic collaboration that suddenly reveals a transformative climax we expect any good story ought to serve. What arises is intelligence, not mere intellect nor just the brain power that does surface when electricity flows more freely across our central and peripheral nervous systems. Spatial intelligence might best describe what happens outside the sequence of our normative ways of communicating what we mean to say word per word. A non-verbal orientation of the world speaks across not verbal time but through spirit space, emotional space poetic space, regional space, non-localized space, breathing, living, dynamic, alive space. We are not our name, word, the signifier or sound image handed down by parents and traditions. We're a nameless presence, neither you nor I are to wake up. Within our created shell forms, primary creator stirs some slumber. Intuiting our higher vibrations are now able to match our true image and likeness. Something is moving. We're moved into being. Even as we celebrate our many birth moments, we're in attendance of our ego's funeral. The blanketing meta paradigm is all inclusive, morphogenetic, omnicentric, and foundationally conventional. The real systematically rests where interpretation, non-interpretation, and reinterpretation meet in a Hegelian dialectical loop. The triadic stages of thesis, antithesis, and synthesis bring illusory transformations in a system that also does not actually ever change. At the hearth of the real elder circle, the true constant is still the constant. A system that understands this doesn't just assist in the interpretation of life. It recognizes what it means to midwife the changing of unchangeability. Pure witnessing doesn't interpret as much as it reinterprets in constant flux. When we understand our true nature's flow, our name is change. In surrendering to this, change doesn't change its ways of changing. Amidst the noises and many movements the cosmos likes to make, something is safely in a state of centrifuge, indestructible and ineffably quiet. Within all this chaos is a still point, a humble eye wide awake in the perfect storm. The inner dance is a hermeneutics of circular change. It's a system of interpreting a cycle of transformation that rests only in the ends of a beginning, in the beginnings of an end. The word reflexivity refers to the circular relationship that happens between cause and effect, a bio-directional loop whereby cause and effect heal and disturb each other equally. In the sense, we as Facilitators have been witnessing forms of collaboration that allow 
you and me reflexive ways of watching you as you learn from self. You have nothing to learn from outside teachings and teachers. You therefore teach us as we listen to you listening to what is in us. It's when we come into contact with clear minds and hearts that know this we trust a highly objective and shared clarity in this place. There's no you nor me. I am not myself. Lydia Davis writes, I am someone else. And James Geary states, I is an other. The universe in us longs to speak to the universe within you. When we were one with Source, there was never self nor other. Source knows this and waits with unlimited stamina. A British psychologist named Nick Smith once wrote a research paper on inner dance way back in 2009. He shared the following words. Psychiatry and psychology have no helpful words for much of the inner dance since it's primarily a non-verbal expression of spirit. It's a kind of trance state which simply means that it's an altered state of consciousness in which one feels out profoundly one's own normal persona, yet not completely dissociated from oneself or reality. What psychiatry cannot hope to express is the sweeping flow of energy overlay, the anarchic element of the dance, the raw creativity of it, and as Pai put it, the intellectualizing of the spirit, the spiritualizing of the mind, the letting go of the self, the experience of raw energy coursing through the body. In this state, I found my mind, body, and soul to become one. What is the inner dance for? I believe that it's here for us to uncover its meaning individually, and it's through the unique gifts of all of us that the inner dance will find its full expression and its evolution through the many individuals practicing it. Like a tide that may eventually sweep through the consciousness of our societies. Um, he continues, for me it represents the missing aspect of practical spirituality of searching for to help elevate mass human consciousness above petty materialism, a university accessible raising of awareness that can embrace the ecology of our planet, a potential and actual force to help us return to simplicity, basic goodness, and our authentic individual beauty. The inner dance seems to not need symbols, nor anything other than intention, grounding, connection, intuition, and openness to energy flow in order for it to work. What I think is certain is that we will see the inner dance gaining a momentum and beginning to branch out in creative, chaotic ways we cannot readily predict. Quote, unquote. Um, psychology, the study of the mind, is having to shift radically. That is because the mind as we understood it in previous decades has shifted just as radically underneath their noses. Years later, the above words were in, I can only partly agree with some of Dr. Nick Smith's written words in 2009 on the part where he describes this work primarily as just a nonverbal expression of spirit. In 2017, I feel the inner dance becomes sustainable when it does ground in the verbal experiences of spirit, areas where we span 
linkages between our left and right brain orientations. The East and the West, the masculine and the feminine, find the bridges that bring forth a more integrative regeneration. As we come to understand how systems of interpretation collapse and are reinterpreted, we're beginning to understand what words and concepts mean from the edifice of a more unitive transcendence. Language systems, just like culture, are similarly radically shifting. We move and receive feedback in simultaneity, which craves both modern, progressive, and indigenous traditional lines. The new linguistic forms of the 21st century speaks in verbal threads, but about non-verbal templates. One central locus we consider core to inner dance ethos pathos is dreamwork. The science and spirit of dream has implications for neurology, psychology, psychiatry, linguistics, education systems, medicine, the cognitive sciences, and the new spiritual awakenings. In coming to terms with metasystems, it ceases to matter what we're dreaming about, what we might prioritize in this coming of ages. What is dream? Dreaming in dreamer. In A Grammar of Dreams, David Foltz in 1978 wrote, Dreaming must be seen as something more than anomalous perceiving. It's a human conceptual achievement of the first magnitude and one of the core problems of cognitive psychology. Dreaming needs once again, as it was by Freud, to be recognized as a problem so central to the study of the mind that its resolution can help to reveal the fundamental structures of human thought. The inner dance is a school of dream, from a figurative and literal stance on the ontology of spirit and the epistemology of science. The very same horizons we visit in dreams are the same vistas vested in the inner dance process. The experience we've been facilitating by the tens of thousands in the last 10 years have witnessed dream time co-mingle with waking life, signifying an evolutionary mind at work that demystifies what used to be reserved within the spheres of magic. Sigmund Freud's legacies in revealing the unconscious, as well as Carl Jung's revelatory uncovering of the collective consciousness share the same bedrock cemented over by Heidegger's attentiveness to the waking being. The hermeneutics of dream, then, is a submerged continent waiting to be explored underneath the waters that span and divide the continents of sleeping and waking life. Dreams frame meta-systems of interpretation. It is regarded in the cognitive sciences that 98% of thought lies in conscious. In inner dance, this isn't always the case. I've taken great care to self-correct my own inclinations towards the hazy elements, the way in which the initial newspaper articles in my first book describes the inner dance within New Age spiritual enclosures. On my personal pragmatism, I feel mysticism gives power only to the mystic in mystifying everyone else. There is boredom and confusion at the end of such an enterprise, and I've been made to watch many versions of this played out in my many travels to places where modern gurus and religious frames still influence new spiritual forms now translated, yet just from older accounts. 
So maybe one of the most disempowering traumas was to ask the large questions about existence as small children and not receive answers appropriate to what babies and toddlers especially embody precisely when we just got here. We arrived as an answer. We expected to be treated not as holders of inquiry, but as the very answer for the world's many quandaries. We then relegate expanded awareness to REM sleep states, this nocturnal escapism that confronts the world objectively through honest representation, yet only to forget what it witnessed upon re-entry into the world of the imaginary when the control-oriented prefrontal cortex once again takes hold of what our limbic systems hold in regional cognition. I then appreciate the analogy of the horizontally meditative shavasana divulges. The inner dance process that traverses the studio-based spirit practice begins where yoga ends with the corpse pose. Embarking on the journey from the body position that mimics Shava, the point in which Shakti is exited Shiva's dance means we begin always from the point of death that oxymoronically sparks overwhelming life. The zero discloses the infinite. The hermeneutic philosopher Gadamer wisely wrote, a person who has no horizon is a man who doesn't see far enough and hence overvalues what is nearest him. On the other hand, to have a horizon means not being limited to what is nearby, but to be able to see beyond it. The horizon is the range of vision that includes everything that can be seen from any particular vantage point. In the inner dance sessions, I find myself often speaking the words, you know, looking at what you're not looking at, but are always looking at. The Lost Gospel of the Book of Thomas quotes Jesus saying, The sacred kingdom of heaven is spread across the face of the earth, and men do not see it. When we lay flat on our backs, our eyes closed, the analytical prefrontal cortex at rest, our intuition betters our logic. Could it be this simple to see not with our eyes? The hermeneutics of the Jesus Christ pose in the horizontal somehow embodies a system of interpretation that moves us out of what used to be held in piety and devotion. From all that we see, we now express, we're now becoming, we're now embodying.